Welcome to Cybercast, decoding today's cyber issues. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research, and today we're discussing the new White House strategy on developing the nation's cyber workforce. With me today are managing editor Ross John Pertuni and staff writer researcher Anastasia Obis. Ross, Anastasia, welcome to the show. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Before we dive into today's episode, Ross, I believe this is your podcast debut with GovCIO Media and Research. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. It is, in fact, my first uh, podcast with GovCIO uh, Media and Research. I'm the managing editor here. I started recently. I've been in this space for a long time, been covering uh, the federal government and federal IT, including uh, hosting a podcast. So I'm pretty hyped to be doing this with you and Anastasia. I'm very excited by your podcast experience. What draws you to podcasting? I came into uh, the business, into the media journalism business in the print world, but I always joked that radio was kind of my first love. I interned in high school and college and worked in radio in, in high school and college. So this is the version of that, although I guess terrestrial radio still kind of exists. So it's a very intimate medium. Uh, it's a very dynamic medium. And I'm a big listener of it myself, big user of the, the format myself. So there's a lot of uh, real knowledge and analytics and, and those kinds of things to be gained. You can really get a lot that you may not get in print or certainly not on uh, what we would consider a traditional broadcast. Yeah, I'm also a lover of podcasts from the very beginning, and I often get questions about how can you possibly listen to podcasts recreationally when your job is to podcast. I don't find that to be much of an issue. I love the medium. Anastasia, do you find it hard to listen to podcasts since you appear on them? Absolutely not. I listen to podcasts all the time when I exercise. <laughs> yeah, like literally all the time. Well, aren't we just a happy band of podcast lovers and hosts? I am very excited to welcome Ross onto the team and to jump into today's episode. So early last week, the White House released its National Cyber Workforce and Education Strategy to Unleash America's Cyber Talent. I'm going to quote the press release because I think it does a great job of summarizing it. Quote, this strategy details how we will strengthen our cyber workforce, connect people to well-paying quality jobs, and advance the welfare, prosperity, and security of our society. The strategy seeks to transform cyber education. It advocates for a skills-based approach to build more robust cyber career pathways. The strategy aims to foster extensive collaboration between employers, educators, government, and other key stakeholders to meet both urgent and long-term workforce needs. By equipping every American with cyber skills, they will be better prepared for today's jobs and able to participate in our interconnected society. So I know that was a lot to throw in right off the bat, but we are going to take today's episode to unpack the details and action items of this strategy to better understand how it will shape workforce development in the federal government. So let's start with what's actually mandated by the president's national security strategy. Anastasia, can you take it away? Yes. So we all know about the cyber talent shortage, both within the public and private sectors. 
We have talked extensively about various ways the government tries to bring in more tech workers to meet the rising demands of every agency for cyber talent. So we all remember back in March, the White House released its long-awaited national cybersecurity strategy. The National Cybersecurity Strategy Implementation Plan was released last month. And now we have the National Cyber Workforce and Education Strategy, and that is the latest piece of that implementation plan. So the Office of the National Cyber Director worked with more than 200 organizations on this strategy, and the office is responsible for its implementation. So going back to the cybersecurity strategy and to emphasize a couple of things, the Biden administration looks to shift responsibility for defending cyberspace from individuals to software makers. So previously, the government only encouraged companies to report breaches to their systems. Now, given the current security environment, the new strategy requires software making companies to meet minimum cybersecurity standards. The cybersecurity strategy also looks to alter incentives across public and private sectors to favor long-term investments in security, to have a digital ecosystem that is more defensible and more resilient. And of course, all of this will require a robust, diverse cyber workforce. Thank you, Anastasia. Yeah, it does seem that there is a lot happening all at once this year around cyber. It almost feels like we've been operating in a bit of a digital wild west up to this point. So I think this is very needed at the moment. And I'm excited to uh, kind of dive more deeply into how the strategy is striving towards these goals. So on that note, for guiding imperatives of the strategy, Ross, what is outlined in this? Well, in the plan, there are basically three guiding imperatives that the administration put forward. We'll get to the other parts of the plan and the way that they break up pillars and outlines. It's almost like looking at um, an outline of a high school essay in the way that it's organized. But nonetheless, the three main uh, guiding principles, the first is leveraging adaptable ecosystems to affect change at scale. Now, what that means is it sets up the far-reaching nature of this strategy. The administration is using the Commerce Department's best practices and principles for workforce investments. They talk about wraparound services and, you know, earn and learn models, which are kind of like apprentice uh, ships. This is all in the, the service of broadening cybersecurity and making it part of the world we live in like the connected world itself, like the internet, leveraging those ecosystems and affecting change at scale in that sense means making it big and doing as much as you can and using the economies of scale that the government has. So that means partnerships. That means the layer cake of government. You know, when I talk about the far reaching nature of it, that means they talked a fair amount about the K through 12 education ecosystem, which seems almost counterintuitive because we're talking about the workforce and professionals, but that builds into the second uh, guiding principle, which is the lifelong development of cyber skills. 
the changing nature of cybersecurity and the broader landscape in which cybersecurity exists is something, like I said, that's just kind of part of the atmosphere now. So you think about even the big cyber incidents of recent vintages and how much they affected everything. The OPM hack in 2015, the SolarWinds hack in 2020. In the OPM hacks case, it affected so many people, anybody who had ever gone through USA jobs. And then SolarWinds was just agency by agency by agency, systems by systems by systems. And in both cases, they existed in very different worlds. So the need to both scale up and as the second pillar talks about the lifelong development, it's a thing you constantly have to be working at. It's not just set it and forget it because the world now is very different than the world, particularly with regards to cybersecurity, will be in three years, in five years, in eight years, whatever. And the third one is growing and enhancing the cyber workforce through improvements in diversity and inclusion. Now, that's been a cornerstone of the Biden administration's workforce policy since taking office. This is not uh, different from their workforce policies in every other vein for the most part. They have made it DEI a, a guiding principle writ large. James Moore, Assistant Director of the National Science Foundation's STEM Education Directive, announced a bunch of scholarships that are supposed to target geographically diverse areas, educational institutions that are diverse, opportunities that serve diverse populations to create this pipeline of roles in the federal government. Essentially, they want to make it so that STEM doesn't look exactly one way, particularly in the cyber world, because the interoperability there is, is important and it is an opportunity to enhance DEI. Gotcha. So just to run through those imperatives again, leveraging adaptable ecosystems to affect change at scale, enabling the lifelong development of cyber skills and growing and enhancing the cyber workforce through improvements in diversity and inclusion. I think what all those come down to is just increasing the pool and the access of cyber education just for anybody who's interested. For me, the workforce strategy speaks to candidly some of the trainings that people do that we've all kind of done about cybersecurity is on you and those kinds of things. Because as the lifelong education and the need to make a big tent for this, the word everybody is in this, the strategy a lot because and I'll, I'll talk about this, uh, I think, later when, when we start talking about the pillars a little bit more, but the nature of cybersecurity is fairly new, or the, I guess the vocation of cybersecurity is fairly new. And there, we're at this sort of tipping point in history in a lot of ways where there are people who just, when they were younger, a computer was the size of a room and it had a little screen that was four inches wide with a black background and green text and you put punch cards in. And now all that computing is on your phone. That's a big difference in a lifetime. And so to understand that change and to adapt to that is, in fact, a, a lifelong thing and can be very easily forgotten because every job now has it. There's a generation of people who just it's on the computer. 
And that's that's not how the world works anymore. And cybersecurity is essentially on the computer, but everything is on the computer. So, you know, from the public sector, obviously, and in the, the cybersecurity industry specific, those workforce challenges are very real. But the strategy notes that people in retail, people in financial services, I mean, everybody in every job has to pay attention to this in some little way. Definitely. Anastasia, anything to add to that? Well, we're going to talk about the pillars, the four pillars. And the very first pillar is equipping every American with foundational cyber skills. So, yeah, we're getting to a place where every single person will be required to have a basic understanding of cyber skills. and. Just like Ross mentioned, we see the mention of everyone in the strategy a lot. Yeah, and thank you for bringing up the pillars, because I definitely want to start getting into that. And you mentioned the first one, equipping every American with foundational cyber skills. How does the strategy outline accomplishing that? Yeah, so when the strategy says that it wants to equip every American with foundational cyber skills, it means Every single person, it doesn't matter whether you're going to enter the cyber workforce, you will need to have basic cyber skills, just like learning how to read or do math. So this pillar emphasizes the importance of schools and universities in providing the curriculum designed to teach individuals all these cyber skills. So we can see that uh, schools and universities will require a lot of support in figuring out how to incorporate all this cyber training into their curriculum. And just to give an example of one of many lines of efforts under this pillar, stakeholders will be encouraged to develop or expand campaigns such as Cybersecurity Awareness Month or Cybersecurity Career Week or like Digital Citizenship Week. So those campaigns will be focused on cyber workforce development and increasing awareness of how cyber skills advanced individual and societal interests. And you just mentioned the importance of universities and schools in the cyber education, which is part of the second pillar, transform cyber education. But I'm guessing it's not just these formal institutions that are being referenced here. Yes, correct. And actually, the strategy says that the work of transforming cyber education cannot rests solely on the shoulders of educators. So basically, the Biden administration wants to build a whole ecosystem that will improve cyber education. It's not just the job of schools and higher education to educate the next generation of tech workers and just educate every American to have basic cyber skills. It specifically looks to improve connections between cyber education systems, training providers, and employers so people have better pathways and easier pathways to enter the workforce, but also just have 
basic education. Um, so, for example, one of the lines of efforts is to increase engagement in cyber education ecosystem. And this plan encourages employers, labor organizations, chambers of commerce, industry groups to participate in development and delivery of cyber education and different training programs. And also the federal government uh, will be working to provide various incentives for employers to engage in this process in bringing the curriculums and training to people. Thank you, Anastasia. Let's throw over to Ross for the other two pillars, which are very connected. So I'm going to set them up both at the same time to expand and enhance the national cyber workforce and to strengthen the federal cyber workforce. And I find that including both the national cyber workforce and the federal cyber workforce to be very interesting. Ross, can you dive into that? Yeah, I think that's a you make a good point. As Anastasia noted earlier, the cyber workforce needs a boost, both in the private and the public sector. I think oftentimes in our space, we think a lot more about the public sector and not the industry because I'm not breaking news here to say that hiring and firing and personnel practices in the public sector are much slower than in industry. They're not as nimble. And so that often gets tied to the front, but there's a shortage everywhere. And so... The strategy outlines a series of ways to work with partners, work with education to try and get collaboration and expansion into the cyber workforce. Big thing that has been not just in this administration, but the previous administration, a point of emphasis has been more skilled based and certification based rather than education based hiring, because that is always been a hurdle in all industries, but certainly in the cyber workforce. So they're trying to create more ecosystems that build off of those, strengthen those, and bring forward more workforce development tools that get more people to certification and a skills-based workforce. To that end, they're, they're going to bring forward more stakeholder involvement, investment, and more data analysis, because one of the things that's sort of lost, I guess I would say here, is that there's not a lot of good data on the cybersecurity workforce. And it's fairly easy to say, here's a problem, because I feel it's a problem, as opposed to having some actual data on it. So part of these two pillars is to get more data on where the deficiencies are, where they can be shored up and where things can be expanded. You know, the other stuff in these two pillars that does work off one another is also work off the other pillars. So bringing forward partners like community colleges, because again, the, the education part of it gets mixed in with some of these issues, the partnerships with industry, and like I said, the skills-based hiring and uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, that is much easier to do and much more within the purview of the administration when it comes to the federal workforce. So that fourth pillar has more working with agencies, the Federal Cyber Workforce Working Group, 
ONCD, OPM, you know, the levers that the administration can pull and that government can pull are going to be the more obvious ways to make this happen and are the more obvious parts of the cyber uh, workforce strategy that the White House has, you know, more access to. That's where the DEI stuff comes in as well, because they're going to try and make it so they get a broader net, get a more diverse workforce, and get pathways to people so that you don't end up stuck in a, a low level job and not be able to uh, move up. And like we talked about earlier, you know, keep up on the latest and the most recent cybersecurity issues that is you know, in a world that's constantly changing. I, so these pillars have so many ideas in them, but it can be a little hard to track how these are going to be practically implemented. But I do know, having browsed through the strategy, that there are some very specific examples listed in there. I'm not going to ask you all to go through all of them because we don't want this podcast to go all day. But if you each could pick one in particular to highlight, I think it would be really worth listening to how practically we're going to be seeing the strategy be implemented. Well, just because it was something that I've been thinking a lot about and something I generally think a lot about when it comes to public sector problem solving, such as it were, OPM has created a cyber workforce dashboard for use by agencies in the general public. Like I mentioned, data is going to be really important here. And that is what's interesting to me because herding all of these cats is going to be really hard. You have all these different organizations. You have all these different schools. You have all these different industries, many of which have competing interests. So in order to track these things, OPM has economies of scale, has ways to collaborate with agencies and agencies then can collaborate with industry to get a better idea and have actual information to compare and to track. So they can say in a year or two, this is the progress that has been made. In three years, you say this is the progress that has been made. And that creates accountability that, you know, when it comes to problem solving is absolutely integral. Yeah. Anastasia? Yeah, so obviously there are a lot of things in the strategy, but uh, one thing that I wanted to mention is the White House will be working with different federal agencies and industry partners and different communities, and they will be exploring the development of a presidential cyber award, and it's basically going to be uh, recognizing students for their cyber skills. That's very cool. Uh, it kind of reminds me of when I was in gym class as a kid. And I don't know, it, there was like some annual fitness thing where you got to get like a little pin. I, I'm seeing like Ross's point. Yeah, the presidential fitness awards or something. When I was a kid, Schwarzenegger partnered with the elder Bush to be part of it. And uh that is in part of this cyber plan is this idea that they want some kind of analog there for that, where I, I guess you're not going to have to do the 
high jump or whatever, um, or the, the pull-ups. He had to do pull-ups. I remember that was a big part of it. Uh, but it's a similar kind of thing, except instead of in the gym, it'll be at a monitor. Well, so that begs the question, if Arnold was the face of that when you were younger, who would you personally select to be the face of this presidential cyber award if we're just, you know, blue skying it? So I think the reality is such that the cybersecurity workforce sort of writ large and the cybersecurity reality is that the heroes are kind of faceless. They're a little bit more in the shadows. You certainly have the bad guys that are more identifiable, but the defenders such as they were, they're fairly anonymous. So if you want to have a presidential award, a la the presidential fitness awards of my youth, you're going to have to get a movie star like we had Schwarzenegger. So I'd say someone uh, from Hollywood, you have somebody like from Black Mirror or you have Oscar Isaac, you know, who's played a tech billionaire in various roles or Mr. Robot himself. Rami Malek, somebody like that. Do you know what I would give to have the opportunity to not just meet Oscar Isaac, but his character in Ex Machina? Like, I think about that dance sequence maybe once a month, and it just lives absolutely rent free. What if we had Joaquin Phoenix from her or just Scarlett Johansson's voice? I think that would be preferable. I don't ever want to be in the presence of Joaquin Phoenix. That dude bugs me out. But the the twisted mind of the Joker, you don't, you don't think that's appropriate for a, a presidential cyber award? No, I, I don't think that would really work. I go back to his Letterman appearance when he was doing that whole performance art thing. Like, he doesn't seem like a good hang. Rami Malek seems like a good hang. Oscar Isaac seems like a good hang. Scarlett Johansson seems like a good hang. Not... Uh, not Joaquin Phoenix. What do you think, Anastasia? I vote Oscar Isaac. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, we nominate Oscar Isaac to be the face of the cybersecurity workforce in America. I'll be sending a letter addressed to Mr. Isaac, and we expect to hear back and have him featured on this podcast very soon. All kidding aside, uh, give me a call, Oscar. Anyways, Thank you, Ross and Anastasia. Um, that was a great overview of this strategy. And I know that we're going to continue to cover this uh, in the months and probably years to come as it gets implemented. For more insight, make sure you visit our website, govcimmedia.com. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new Cybercast. But until then, if you like what you heard, please leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Ross Traffertuna. And I'm Anastasia Obis. Thank you for listening, especially Oscar Isaac. Cybercast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com. <laughs>